Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. So we're talking about this whole get real theme this month, yes? Getting real. And we have been like, we've talked about all kinds of good stuff. And last week, Dylan, what did you talk about real? How you know what you know for real, right, to the senior hires. And with junior high, we talked upstairs in the theater about what? Did you hear my voice in in the morning when you woke up? Anybody? You didn't hear my voice in your mind. It was a girly voice. But what did it say? Do you remember what the voice said? What? Choose today, choose this day who you will serve. You don't remember that. Oh, man. No creepy voice in your mind in the morning? This is bad. We failed. Anyway, so here's the deal. I want to talk tonight about this great, amazing thing that I think we all, ooh, water. Thanks, Dylan. Um, This great, amazing thing that we all crave desperately. Does anybody know? Love. Thomas, high five. Well done. How many of you really, 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 really get real level want real love? Now, some of you really don't want love. You're out of your mind. Put your hand up. D- listen, I asked the question. It wasn't complicated. How many of you want real love? How much do you like? Duh, right? This is like a great and simple reality. And what this whole week, guys, represents, and we talk about this entire holy week. And sometimes I picture Jesus when we say holy week. Because maybe it's just my background and upbringing, so don't receive this if it's not what pops in here. But Holy Week sounds really religious to me. Does anybody else have that happen? So like, I, like when, I, when I hear that, and not to like dishonor what it is, because it is holy, but that term just feels religious. And I kind of picture Jesus going like, you know, like he came to completely obliterate religion. Do you understand that? Jesus came and what he did during Holy Week was like this absolute, he like picked up religion, shook it around like a hamster in a hamster ball. Like that's mean, I know. And I know, that's why the hamsters came up. There we go. But he picked up this whole religious system and he said, this is broken and he shook it. And all in the week when he was in, he came into Jerusalem and everybody laid the palm branches down and the coats and all that stuff. Last Sunday, right, we celebrated that. That whole thing happened. During that week, he goes into the temple in Jerusalem right after they, like, welcomed him in. You know, they're all like, welcome to Jerusalem. He goes into the temple, and you know what he did in the temple the one day? What? No. Well, that happened when he died on the cross. But does anybody know what thing he did? In the He flipped the tables. He goes into the temple, and he's like, he looks around, and they're all selling stuff, and they're ripping people off in the temple. He grabs a a, a fistful of cords that were, like, probably wrapped around a curtain or something somewhere and starts whipping people. I don't know if he hit people, but he's, like, like a whip, and he goes through, and he flips the tables, and doves are flying everywhere, and money's falling, and he's like, stop this. He gets into the religious system of the day and just shakes it all up, and that's the whole thing he came for. So when you hear the word Holy Week, don't trap that into this, like, ooh, church, okay? Like, does, that make, does anyone, I hope none of you ever do that. But I feel like there's some connotations with that that are like, holy week, right? Like, oh my gosh, no, Jesus came. He was so raw, so loving, so incredible, so engaging that people, crowds flocked to him. 
It says even during this week, I have like all this stuff fresh in my head and I won't read all of it. But it says as he went to the temple every day during that holy week, he spoke in the temple and then he would leave and he'd go up on the Mount Mount of Olives for the night and sleep. He camped out. He's a rugged guy, you know, like camped out with his disciples up on the Mount of Olives or wherever. I don't know what he stayed in, but okay, he probably just chilled up there. And then he said, or it says early in the morning, he'd go back to the temple and the people would be there early to hear him teach. He came in, it was like shaking the system, and this is the very reason that things transpired the way that they did the rest of the week, right? Because we talk about um, what this Good Friday is, right? Friday is called Good Friday. I was so confused as a kid. I was like, Mom, Good Friday is about Jesus being crucified. Uh, you know, and it took a little explaining to the reality that you have to, and this is a prophetic reality, that you have to be able to see the other side of things in order to speak them as positive and good. Because most of us get trapped and locked in the reality of right now, today, and what's going on in my stinking life, and how can anything be good? And someone brings you a prophetic word that speaks to something on the other side of today, and it's real hard to receive it as positive. Because we're too locked into right now and how I feel. Okay? Because if you would have called Good Friday Good Friday on the original Good Friday, you would have got slapped. Can you imagine? You know, they're like walking Jesus down the, down the road. He's got the big cross on his back and he's bloody. You can't even tell who he is, right? And you're dancing down the street. It's Good Friday. Like, Friday, Friday, right? Yes, right? There would be a problem with that. But now we look and we celebrate Good Friday because we're on the other side of the prophetic truth that wasn't apparent to the people around the situation in that day. Do you see that? We're on the other side. So we can celebrate Good Friday. And this whole week is such this incredible thing. But Jesus goes in and he's teaching in the temple and people are following him. And all you see is this in the back. You've got all the religious leaders lined up against the wall, listening, watching all the people just go, this is amazing. This guy speaks with such authority. And oh my gosh, it's this. And all that's on their mind is how can we trap this guy? How can we arrest this guy in private? Because obviously if we do it in public, these people will run us out. They had to do it in secret. They couldn't go and arrest him in the temple. All week long he hung out in the temple talking to people. But the religious leaders were afraid of the authority he carried and certainly the crowds that people, of people that came to him. They were like, what is this man and who is he and what's going on here? People were so drawn to him, but the religious leaders were hell-bent literally hell-bent on destroying this guy. So they had to figure out a way. And it says they plotted all week long. How can we catch this guy? How can we do this quietly behind the scenes where nobody knows? Because if the crowds find out, it's going to get crazy. Okay? So there's all these amazing and totally fascinating parts and pieces of the last couple days leading up to Jesus' death. And I think there's like this, there's this crazy part of this. You guys know who who Judas is? And I'm always fascinated by all this stuff because if you ever put yourself, imagine yourself, okay, as one of the 12 disciples who just lived three years with Jesus. And if you've read any of the Bible or heard all the stories of the miracles he's done and the amazing things he's done, how many of you are like, lock, set, I am committed to this guy no matter what? Right? I think we all can look at that. And we talked about it in middle school last week, right? We talked about the Israelites and what they saw. They Red Sea, whales swimming next to them, like no glass, Psh- Mom's like, don't poke it, you know. Like, seriously, okay? 
Like, the Israelites walked through the Red Sea on dry land and all this stuff, and yet they spent 40 years wandering in the desert because they denied God and disobeyed him. And you just kind of go, like, what idiots are these? So then you take a guy like Judas, right? Okay, Judas was one of the 12 disciples who lived with Jesus, his best friends, for three solid years of ministry, watched all the miracles, saw the people delivered, got all this insight, got the teaching of the Son of God in the flesh day after day after day. He got like the like concentrated factor of what the crowds longed for. And yet, experiencing and walking with Jesus and living with Jesus and all this stuff for three years, something inside Judas's heart, and we can only speculate what that was, got really offended and really whatever. And somehow op- an opening happened in his heart. And it says, I think in Mark, that Satan actually entered Judas on that day. And he bailed, okay? I was talking to Dylan and Josh earlier. I was reading this just today, and it never caught my mind. You know the story about the woman with the alabaster box of perfume? She comes to Jesus, breaks this, like, priceless bottle of perfume, and, like, dumps it on Jesus' feet and takes her hair and, like, mops it all over his feet, like, cleans his feet with his perfume and her hair. And the disciples freak out, including who? Judas. This was the day, okay, before Jesus gets betrayed or a day or two before Jesus gets betrayed, this lady comes, and it was all during this holy week, and the whole thing was happening, and Jesus was all popular. And this lady comes and dumps this priceless bottle, and the disciples go, Jesus, can you believe what this lady did? And I may be speculating, but I don't know. Maybe that was Judas that was the most upset about it. He said, what a waste. We could, we could feed a 100 poor people with that money that that perfume cost, and she just dumped it on your feet. And Jesus says, what she has done is of great value. Because she knew, along with all the prophetic words and all this stuff, she knew who Jesus was and she knew what was coming because she knew that the Messiah was to be given up and crucified on the cross. Jesus talked about it all the time and told his disciples and they were like, oh, that's cool, Jesus. You know, like they missed it somehow, most of them, not all of them, but they constantly heard this stuff. This woman made a powerful prophetic act. What is that? Dun, dun. Anyway, sorry, so distracted. I'm like, squirrel. Anyway, right? So, like, this happens. Jesus goes through this whole thing. Judas gets all upset about this, um, this whole situation. Or Judas gets all upset, and the disciples are saying, Jesus, what a waste. And Jesus goes, come on, guys. You don't even understand what this woman is doing. That is so cool. God loves you. Right? Just receive it. Just right now, do it right now. Put your hands out and go, thank you, God. That your heart beats for me. Maybe that was real. I don't, like, come on. Anyway. Whoo! Anyway, do you feel loved? Do you know you're loved? For real? Okay. Back to the point. Okay? So Judas, I don't know. I'm speculating the possibility that Judas got bent out of shape about this whole thing. And Jesus was like, this is a beautiful thing. And Judas was like, no, this is stupid. And somewhere in his heart, he had had harbored an offense or something that happened. And it says right here in Mark, no, in Luke, that Satan entered Judas and he left that place. It says, then Judas went and met with the high priests and said, and arranged a way to betray Jesus. It was immediately after the alabaster box. It says right there, then Judas. I, I interpret that as then Judas went to the, like, really? He was probably left the party, like, or the dinner or whatever it was, and was like, 
that what a waste, and I don't understand this. And little chip on his shoulder that harbored, and Satan had a foothold in his life in this place where he just got, despite all that Judas had experienced, he allowed an offense. He allowed a piece of the lie of the enemy to step in and set his heart in a totally corrupt direction, obviously. Right? So what we see is Judas ends up arranging this. He goes back, hangs out with Jesus for a while. They do what's called the Last Supper. You've heard of that, right? Yeah, it just so happens, and this is so beautiful and amazing, that what supper were they having? The Last Supper, which is what? Passover, which was the Jewish holiday feast. It was on Passover on that very day that they got together and they had lamb together and they had a meal together. It was the, the Passover meal because Jesus had sent his disciples, go prepare the Passover meal at this dude's house in the town. Go do it. And they went and that happened and that was the Last Supper. Do you know what the Passover represented, what they celebrated at Passover? The Jews. What? Ding, 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 ding. Do you catch the prophetic picture of what was occurring on the last night before Jesus laid his life down? The Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, celebrated Passover with his disciples, the celebration feast of the angel of death coming over Egypt, and the only people that were not killed, that their children were not killed when the angel of death came across Egypt were who? The people who had painted lamb's blood on their doorposts. So the blood of the lamb rescued God's people in Egypt. And the blood of the lamb rescued all of us for all eternity on the cross after Passover. Like, Jesus was like, and this was all aligned. It was so crazy. And God's perfect love story towards you was walked out with precision. This was not like, a, oh, crap, that happened. We better change our course. Like, This was all, and Jesus says it throughout. Read the story this week. Guys, please get your Bibles out. Can I, like, stare you in the face and say, get your Bibles out and read this, okay? If you need to know where it is, it's basically Luke 21, okay, 22. You can read it in Matthew, in in chapter 6, 26, in Mark, chapter 14, in Luke, chapter 21, 22. You get little different dynamics from each of the guys, how they watched it all unfold. Guys, get in this. And it says over and over, and Jesus said, but this had to happen as the prophecies have spoken, that the Son of Man will go to the cross. And it's this whole amazing situation. Jesus sits down at the table with Judas, who he already knew was going to betray him, right? He's God, and he kind of knows what's going on. So he sits down with Judas at dinner at the Passover, this powerful reality, this powerful feast. He didn't be like, Judas, why don't you go for a walk while we do something special? Because you know what else Jesus did at that dinner? Anybody remember? What? He washed all of their feet. And again, we've done this before, dirty feet. Not like your feet. You guys have really clean feet compared to people that walk in sandals on dirt roads all day long. He got down on his hands and knees, the Son of God, the day before he gave his life on the cross and washed Judas's feet with full knowledge that Judas's heart had turned and was going to hand him over for crucifixion. And with full knowledge that guess who was else was sitting there at that table? Anybody remember the other disciple that had a problem that night? Peter, 
who he told just a little bit while a little while later, you're going to betray me three times before the night's over. Peter's like, no, never. He's like, no, really, before the rooster crows, you're going to betray me three times. I'm God. I have this. I know. And he did it. It's like, what? But Jesus sat at his feet and washed his feet too. We're talking real love poured out toward real people with real issues and real problems. But Jesus didn't back out and go, nah, shoot, these guys aren't worth it. He could have. He asked God. I don't know how that whole conversation went when he was in the garden praying right before he was arrested. He says, God, if there's any other way, that would be really great right now. <laughs> Reveal that one, you know. And he's like, but God, if this is, this is your will, we're going. Willingly, Jesus went. That's crazy. How many of you have ever done a really, extravagant, a really extravagant gift for someone? Anybody ever, like, really gone out like, I don't have the money for this, but I really want to bless this person, and I'm going for it. Anybody ever done something like that for a friend, parent, sibling, like somebody you've really, like, stretched out, like, oh, my gosh, it's Christmas, and I have no money, and I'm paying $100 for something because you know it's the right gift? Anybody? Now, listen, if you knew for a fact that that person you're about to buy that gift for was the next day going to walk into your house, punch you in the face 50 times, burn your house down, right, and lock your children in small cages. I don't know. I know, right? That's like scary, right? But listen. (laughs) So creepy. Anyway, no, listen. No, listen, if you knew for a fact that that person was going to do all of those things or whatever you awful you can imagine the very next day, would you still buy them the gift? Heck no, I am too human. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, but guess what? I'm, I'm not who went to the cross because the one who went to the cross with full knowledge of not just Judas and Peter blowing him off and betraying him, but he knew as God all the way down through history and the future and eternity, every person that would turn their back on him. And yet, he said, you know, I love them and I'm going despite it all. And it's crazy because there's this opportunity that everybody had. Judas had the opportunity. He was with Jesus for three years. How many of you think that's a sweet deal? Live with Jesus for three years. Guess what? You all get like 90 plus years with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So don't make dumb excuses. Anyway, (laughs) right? It's like, oh, but it would be so much better if Jesus was here. Well, that's not true because he said it would be better if he wasn't and the Holy Spirit was. And he said the Holy Spirit was better. So he actually went away. He told his disciples, it's better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. So you get power. His disciples got to go with Jesus and watch the power. And they got to try a couple things. But Jesus said, no, 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 there's better. I'm sending the Holy Spirit and you get the power and you're going to do this and even more, way greater because I love you. Ah, I'm screaming. Can you hear me? Do you get, I know, I always scream in the mic. It's like, might be like, I don't know. I don't know, Whatever. I'm insecure. Please hear me. No, okay? I don't know. Do you, listen, guys. 
I love the contrast between Judas and Peter, who are two dudes that we look at and go like, man, they really screwed up. Because even as the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, right? You remember this? They took hold of Jesus and Peter. Superhero cape. What's he do? Pulls out his sword. Chops off the soldier's ear. Now listen. We have to assume just by odds that that Peter was right-handed. Right? Okay, so here's the deal. If I pull out a sword, stand up, Gavin. You're going to be my... You're going to be my chief priest servant, okay? Okay, here's the deal. If I pull out my sword, do you think he was going for the guy's ear? Like, let's visual aid, right? It says he cut off the, sword, the guy's right ear. How do you think that happened? Going for the neck, duck, whack. Right? Yeah, I know. Ouch. This would be worse, just FYI. Okay, sit down. You're good. So Peter just freaks out. He's like, no, because Jesus said you're going to deny me. So Peter's like, no, I won't. I'm super strong. This just happened. Jesus just said, you're going to betray me three times. So Peter's like amped up. He's like, I'm going to be super Christian. I will never. Right? So they grab Jesus. He's like, I'm not denying him. (laughs) Jesus goes, oh, my gosh. Right? You know, Jesus is so patient. Let that settle in your hearts. He goes, Peter, Peter, Peter. And what does Jesus do? He goes, oh, man. Reaches down. He's being arrested. He's like, hold on, guys. Reaches down, picks up the guy's ear. You know, let's get that sanitized or something. And it says he touched the man's ear and healed it. There are so many crazy dynamics to this story that blow my mind to have been there that day. Because I'm going like, this is a soldier, just got his ear chopped off. Heads bleed a lot. Anybody ever cut their head? It's like, whoosh, ears too. Like, oh my gosh, they just bleed everywhere. Because there's a lot of blood flowing up in here, right? So all kinds of blood. This guy's going, ah, 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 right? Jesus goes, ah, huh? You're the soldier who's arresting Jesus to take him to kill him. And he just went, and he didn't like stick it on and like scabbing and blood and like, oh, thanks. That's nice, Jesus. It says, it says, he, it says he healed it because that's God's love. That's how Jesus was. He's like, I washed their feet. I know they're going to betray me. They're screwing up all over the place. I'm going to the cross no matter what. And just for fun, I'm going to fix his ear. Because he'll probably need that. But I get in the head of that soldier. I try to, like, think, like, if I was that guy, how do you finish the job? No, really. Your job is to go arrest this dude and go put him on a cross. You know what the Romans do to these guys. How do you finish the job that day? It's like, ah, constant reminder. Right? Like, oh, oh. You know, like, he just reaches up, and every time he hears this kid, Daddy, oh, like, no, these are real people, guys. I know, "Ah, that's funny. If it was you, your heart would wrench every time you thought about what that man did to you as you arrested him to take him off for to be crucified. 
But this was the love Jesus poured out. And you got Judas and you got Peter, two total screw-ups on this night with a loving God who went to the cross to pay for all that they had done and were going to do. The contrast that happens between the two of them is Judas gets locked into shame and guilt for what he did. Couldn't handle it. And he went and hung himself. It's really graphic in the Bible. He hung himself from a tree, and it says his guts clattered on the field. I don't know how you do that by hanging, okay? Like, and it says, like, his bowels just out of him. So he must have, like, anyway, we don't need to be graphic. But the Bible is. It's in the Bible. Already went there. Sorry. His guts scattered on the ground. Like, and I don't want to camp there, but listen. Peter, on the other hand, screwed up just as royally as Judas. Do you get this? Peter screwed up because guess what he did three times right after they took Jesus away? Denied him. This little girl was like, hey, he knows that Jesus guy. Peter's afraid of a little girl now. He just cut off a soldier's ear. But you can imagine now he's like, in, oh, my gosh, I totally screwed up. Oh, my gosh. And now Jesus is gone, and I don't know what I did wrong. And I don't This little girl's like, he knows him. No, I don't. Right? And then someone else goes, you were one of his followers. No, I don't know. And then he does it again three times. And then, right? Shoot. Get in these guys' real world life. We're not reading fairy tales. These are real people that encountered a real God with real love that poured out into them. But Peter, and I love this part of the story, understood that there was redemption, that there was forgiveness, that what Jesus went to the cross for wasn't to destroy people and tear people down and ruin people's lives. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It was that whole song we sang at the beginning. It's, you, um, you have broken every curse. You have set my spirit free. Now I'm alive because of you. And Dylan, like, come on. Like, we got to praise God when we sing these words. And think of what that really means. Because Peter and Judas are two separate people with two separate situations. And we can camp on that or we can look at our own hearts and go, where are we? I've blown him off. I've rejected God with my life. I've done things that are totally against what God has called me into. But I know that he loves me. And I know there's forgiveness. So I return to the cross and I say, Jesus, what you did there is more than I can imagine. You knew I was going to blow you off, and you went anyway. And that's the challenge. That's to me, like, that's real love. He knew there was something more on the other side. He knew what Good Friday was and how good it was before it even happened. So he went, and he went through, and I won't go through all the details of the crucifixion, but what he did on that cross was so powerful to free you, to release you. And I challenge every one of you, if you don't know where your relationship with God is right now, if you're Judas, if you're Peter, if you're just somebody, maybe you're the soldier. Like, I don't want that guy anywhere around, okay? But he might come and touch your life. And you might go, right, Xavier, you told me last week, dude, you totally felt God's presence touch you last week, right? Here. I'm serious. That's a real deal, real love encounter experience. You might feel that thing, and you got to decide what you're going to do with it. On a regular, ongoing basis, God is calling you to a relationship. And we're going to take a little time and do what they did. Brian, if you guys can roll up or whatever, get, get set up. We're going to take a little time to do what they did at that Last Supper because I think God 
still to this day, what? Oh, I don't I know. I put away the massage tables. We should watch. No. We're not going to wash feet tonight, but we're going we're gonna to take communion together. And I don't know how many of you have ever or never or a million times done this, but God is like so cool in the way that he sets things up and the way Jesus did this was phenomenal. But I do want to, I want to preface this. I said, if you don't know that you've got a relationship with God tonight, I want you to either figure it out right now and get your heart. It's not like, oh, you got to go through a class, get right with God. But tell your, say something in your heart to God. Say, God, I'm done rejecting. I'm done walking away. I'm done betraying. I'm ready for the love that you've poured out. And I want you in my life. And I know I can't do this without you. Because Peter ended up being the guy who preached the gospel and like 4,000 people got saved the first day that the Holy Spirit came. So I don't care where you are and how much you think you've done. This guy betrayed Jesus right after being told he was going to. That's weird. It was doing that. I don't know what's wrong with it. Anyway, God's heartbeat is up. He loves you. Anyway, we might have to go without the bass. I don't know. It was weird. It was doing it by itself. Anyway, are you tracking with me? But if you want to do this tonight, we're going to break bread and we're going to drink little cups of grape juice to symbol that symbolize what Jesus did on the cross. But if you're not there, if you don't have relationship with God, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, he brought his disciples to that table and he did this with them. And he said, this is my invitation to you to drink my, or to eat my flesh. And that's so gross and grody and whatever, but it's symbolic. Okay, And if you look at the historical context of that, there was power because they believed in those days if you ate animal flesh or drank animal blood, you actually received the life of that animal into yourself. So when Jesus makes a statement, eat my flesh, drink my blood, what is he saying? Receive my life into you. Ah! So all the dead parts that are inside you suddenly get rejuvenated with the life of God who went to the cross, died completely, but in his death was more powerful than anything Satan could come with. Because he walked out of the grave with power and totally beat the devil. And that invitation is to you. So I would say before you come up here tonight, I'm going to have the staff come up front here. They've got bread. You guys can line up across the front. You guys can make a little space out so they can fit. Just line up right here. Before you come up here and do this, I want you to do business with God in your heart. Everyone in the room. Not just like, okay, but if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him personally, if you haven't given him your heart tonight, do it right now and say, God, I trust you to forgive my sins because nothing else is going to work. And if you've done that and you know Jesus and you got a relationship going, wherever you're at, be like, God, take me into your love tonight. Holy week, man, make me holy like you. I want to receive your life inside of me tonight when I eat this bread. And we, this is a holy reality. And Jesus did this in a really cool way. It was super holy, but super normal at the same time. He didn't like do some like, ooh, we're going to have a special menu for this thing. He looked over the table and he said, man, these guys need to get what's going on here. Bread. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body given for you. Eat it and remember it. And then he said, this cup, he just took the wine. He's like, that's on the table. Cool. Let's go with that. This is my blood. And it happens to look kind of like blood. 
drink it and do this in remembrance of me. So he said, as often as you eat and drink, remember what I've done. So he wasn't saying like, ooh, come to church and get the special cup and the special bread wafer cracker thing. But every time you take bread, every time you drink something, every time, remember what he did on that cross that night. And make it a holy thing. You could take your potato chips and your Pepsi at lunchtime and say, God, thank you for your body. Oh, that's so unreligious, Ben. Yes, that's what Jesus did. He came with love and said, religion, step aside. I want these people so bad. And I don't care that some of them aren't going to receive me. I don't, that's, I mean, he did care. But it didn't change his course. He said, I'll do it anyway. And maybe they'll come around. Because in hope, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the, te- the torture he went through. For you and for me to have life inside us. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne